For some of you, that hit a little too close to home. Um, and I'm going to read a story about this. In fact, I'm going to read a story to you about not being appreciated, uh, which some of you moms, not all of you moms, some of you can appreciate. Uh, and not just moms, I get it, it's anybody. Some of you dads sometimes feel appreciated. We hold it inside as well, but sometimes we like nice words of affirmation. Um, and really, Let's be honest, all of us like that. And unfortunately, we're not always very good at it, especially if you have ever had kids, uh, if you have ever been like on a team project, uh, especially if you're kind of one of those people that you carry the, the most of the burden of the project to get it across the finish line. Um, if you ever done like a fundraiser or helped to, well, for that matter, helped at church sometimes, um, if you've helped a friend, if you've helped somebody move, that's a really great example. Um, if you just try to be a good neighbor to the people around you, you just try to, in terms of our series, as we wrap this series up, be rich in good deeds and generosity. And if you've ever done any of that kind of stuff, and then in turn, you didn't feel very appreciated, that probably hurt a little bit, didn't it? Uh, as the kind of the funny video progressed, you become a little bit bitter, a little bit resentful. Maybe a little hurt and a little angry. And I know most of you at that point, you would bring it up and you'd talk about it and you'd work through it. But for those of you that hold that bitterness and anger inside, we're going to talk about that today. So I'm really excited um, about what we're all going to cover and especially this story. Now, this is a story we've, we've heard of before. I, I've shared this story before, but I think it's so good. In fact, I could probably teach a whole series just out of this this one passage, because this one story, uh, because it's just so full of stuff, um, it's, a, it's a moment in time in Jesus' ministry. It's coming from uh, Luke chapter 17. And in this moment, he's traveling, um, and he's going by um, some places that you don't hang out, um, some dirty places, some unclean places, because in those days, being clean or spiritually clean was really important. And so he's journeying along, and as he was on his way to Jerusalem, so he's going north to south to Jerusalem, he's passing between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village, as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance and met him. And just a refresher for those of you who aren't up on your um, ancient diseases, uh, leprosy is a really tough one. In fact, we actually still have it today in the U.S. About 100 cases of leprosy happen. Uh, leprosy is a very painful, gruesome, uh, life-altering disease that is easily treatable now, but back in those days, it was not at all. Um, essentially, uh, you start to fall apart practically, and so you'll often get spots on your hands and, and your feet and your face and and skin will start to fall off, and your eyes you eventually go blind, and um, it does major uh, nerve damage and disfiguration, blindness, all that kind of stuff. So super, super terrible. And, and one of the worst parts of it is it happens really slowly. And so when you're a leper in those days, one day, you know, you wake up and you kind of see a spot or something on your body or something, and you're worried. I mean, you start fretting about it. You start hiding it because eventually when other people realize that you have that spot, you are then shunned. You are pushed out of the village and you have to live separate from everyone else because they didn't want that disease to spread. And you were kind of looked at as, um, you know, spiritually unclean. You were looked at as God was probably trying to punish you. There's a good chance you did something wrong in your life and this is punishment for that. And so these people would live outside of the village 
and uh, live away from everything and everyone that they cared about. So one day you wake up with a spot, and the next day you have no job, no family, no friends, no pets, no presents for that matter, and your life has totally changed as you slowly, slowly, slowly die to this disease. It's just awful, okay? So Jesus is walking along, and, and these 10 men uh, stood at a distance from him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Because maybe they'd heard of Jesus. Somehow they knew that this was Jesus and that he had done some amazing miracles and healings for other people. Um, so far, they've heard the rumors. So when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And at this point, they're probably like, I'm sorry, is that it? Like, just go and show ourselves to the priest. Because to get reintroduced, if in the rare event that you overcame the, de- the leprosy, you would go not to a doctor to get checked out to get like, yes, you're clean and you're good and you don't have the disease anymore. You'd go to the priest. So in other words, you'd come to me and I would tell you if you're good or not, okay? And that's, I mean, I can do Band-Aids and small wounds, but disease, not my forte, okay? And so, and that was very much the case in this case as well. Uh, but the priest would say if you're okay. So he said, essentially, take your leper selves and go to the nearest priest to get reincorporated back into society. And they're looking at him and they're looking at themselves and they're like, yeah, but we're still diseased. And this is a great sermon in and of itself. But he said, go and show the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. So essentially they had to step out in faith because they were still diseased and they had to start walking. And as they walked, they were healed. It's a great expression of faith. Anyways, so they get healed. They go to the priest. The priest says, you're clean And their lives, which have been probably terrible for weeks and months and maybe even years, completely turn around. And they get to go back to their family. I mean, imagine this. If then one day after being, you know, an outcast out in some, you know, field north of town, you get to come back home and see your family and your kids, get to get a job again, you get to see your your pets, you get to hang out with your neighbors, you get to go have fun, you get to travel for Thanksgiving again, And all of that changes. Your life dramatically changes. And that was a story for these guys. And then, the next part's pretty great. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back. He's healed. He realizes he's healed. He realizes the implication of being healed. And he turned back towards where Jesus was, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face when he found Jesus at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And then I love this part because I'm just telling you, this is the part of following Jesus that I do really well. And it's called dry sarcasm, okay? <laughs> love this. This is, one of, this is right here, reason why I love this verse. I mean, Jesus did incredible things, miracle, I get that, but this is great. And Jesus responded to the one guy, remember there were 10, one came back saying thank you. And Jesus responded and said, were there not 10 that were cleansed? As if he didn't know. But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. I absolutely love this because it's kind of like a feigned story problem. And I'm not a great story problem guy. Math was not my strong suit growing up. 
But, you know, like, hey, you know, if 10 are healed and one comes back, how many people said thank you? I know, that's how I would have answered in math class too. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, not enough. Not enough people came back to say thank you. That's the right answer. One out of 10, that's 10%. That's not even failing. That's like you didn't even try. Not enough people came back to say thank you, to say I'm grateful, I appreciate you, thanks. And this happens to us, doesn't it? In fact, when this happens, it hurts. When we don't feel appreciated, when our stockings are a little emptier than everybody else or just straight up empty, when people don't recognize our contribution, we get frustrated, we get bitter, we get angry, and the relationship suffers. Because, and we've talked about this before, unexpressed, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. In fact, it's worse than that. Unexpressed gratitude is a form of rejection. That's what it is, isn't it? You feel rejected by someone who doesn't appreciate you when you help them out. You go shovel their driveway or go help them unload or move or something. If you don't feel appreciated, you feel rejected. And, and you know that's true because you feel it, right? Maybe coming off of Thanksgiving, you know, like you feel like nobody appreciated the fact that you were there maybe. Or that you didn't get a platform to speak and everybody else spoke or you didn't... Um, you know, they didn't appreciate how far you had to drive or the sacrifices that you had to make to be there, vice versa, or they didn't help you clean up or, or they didn't contribute to the meal or, you know, something like that. And you're coming out of Thanksgiving feeling a little bitter. You're feeling a little bit of rejection. And I get that because if nine people didn't say thank you, that would be a total bummer. But on the flip side, the contrary of that, the alternative is express gratitude communicates love. When you say thank you to someone, you're effectively loving them. And you feel that, right? If I asked you to, you know, how did you feel when somebody, you walked in the door and they're like, oh, we're so glad you're here. Yay, it's you. You know, thank you so much for driving this far. We really appreciate it. How you doing? How are the kids? How's the dog? How's the cat? How's your job? How's school? You know, that kind of thing. Wow, you know, thank you. You know, I feel so appreciated. I feel so loved when gratitude is genuine and expressed. It makes you feel cared about and it changes your heart, doesn't it? It does a little bit. Your heart is warmed, it's softened when you realize that other people value you and it builds trust and it builds a relationship. It builds love because that's what gratitude does. It's really, it's really powerful. And I know this because for a long time in Stephanie, my wife and my, our marriage, um, this was, or, and really continues to be a struggle for us. And we've, I don't know if you're like a huge personality test buff, but we've done a number of personality assessments to help understand kind of how each other are wired. And this is one of those areas that we are not the strongest at. And we have to talk about that. Like, this is not, we're not good with like, yay, boy, good job. Like, this is an innate thing that we struggle to do in general, 
Sometimes we can do it better with other people. I don't know if your marriage ever has that, but ours does. You can do that better with other people, but then when it comes to each other, like you hold each other to like a high, maybe unreasonable standard. And so I'm just telling you, gratitude and being more intentional with expressing gratitude has changed our relationship because it builds love. And I know this is crazy, but when you do something like that, when you express gratitude, the other person then tends to repeat that behavior, right? So if you say thank you, hey, I really appreciate it. I, I, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for what you've done. They are gonna be more likely to do that thing again, are they not? And I know you're th- sitting there thinking, well, Taylor, this doesn't seem like rocket science, but it kinda is. It, it kinda is difficult, Some of us, it's easier than others, but it's not that intuitive. I mean, think about this. In this story, are you the one or are you the nine? Now, immediately, reflexively, I, and probably most of you, go to the thinking that, well, of course, I'm the one. I'm the one in the story that would come back and say, Jesus, I am grateful, thank you so much. If my life was changed as dramatically as you just shared, Taylor, I would go back and say thank you. Now just think honestly to yourself, when something positive happens in your life, when something is given to you that maybe you didn't earn, we talked about this in week one, so if you missed week one, go back and listen to that, and then pick this back up at this point. When something is positive done in your direction, is your tendency to the first tendency that you have, is it to sit there and kind of soak in that good thing for you? Or is it instantly to say, thank you. I gotta just go thank that person. Or do you just kind of let it soak in and feel really good about it? And maybe if it's really good or a real accomplishment or something or a real progress or a real stepping stone, you go show your friends or your family members or your spouse And you go share it. You share that good news. Hey, I got this opportunity. Hey, I got this thing. You might miss the fact that somebody else gave you this opportunity. Somebody else helped you along the way. For you, it's, I just got this thing. I just made this step. I just made this progress. And you want to share it with other people. Because you got what you wanted. I'll say it again. You got what you wanted And so is your initial reflex to then thank the people who helped get you there or is it to celebrate you and focus on how this thing, this event benefits you versus saying, oh, thank you. I can imagine for those 10 men their initial response in getting their life back was to go see their family and their friends and everything that they once were able to hold dear and be embraced like they hadn't been in maybe years. Their immediate response was not, oh, I need to go walk back and find the guy who changed my life. Because I'll be honest with you, I personally... As I thought about this, as I wrote this, I thought I probably tend more towards the nine than I do the one. Personally, I tend to go towards this benefited me. This is what I wanted and I got it. Versus the one who says gratitude first, not later. Gratitude comes first. 
because that one did something that the nine missed out on. And he was able to focus on the relationship that really changed things for him. And he was able to grow that relationship and build trust in a way that the other nine actually miss out on. And, there, and I bet his life will be better for that over the long term because he'll still get to celebrate with his family and his friends and get his job back and all that stuff. But he took care of the gratitude first. And I just wonder in our own lives, if we move towards being the one versus the nine starting this week, would that make a positive change? Would that make things better? So maybe step one for you today is to be more like the one and first prioritize the gratitude and then you and the celebration versus the other way around. And recognize how much we sometimes tend more towards the nine than we do the one. But then there's something else I want you to do. And this is actually really the big point for the day. This is kind of the curveball. This is the kind of the part of the message that's supposed to catch you off guard a little bit, like the, the main gist, okay? The main takeaway. If you're gonna take away anything today is that when it comes to gratitude, are you the one, the nine, or are you like Jesus? Are you the one, the nine, or are you like Jesus. And I know some of you are probably thinking, wait, what about Jesus? What do you mean am I like Jesus? Well, think about what Jesus did. Jesus healed him in the first place. He healed him. And you know what's even crazier? He healed them regardless of their gratitude. He healed them regardless of whether or not they came back to say thank you. And he did not take that healing away either. When the one came back, he didn't then go say, well, the nine, because you didn't say thank you, you gotta go back to being a leper. It's not what he did. That was not his pattern of behavior. That's not how he ministered and cared for other people. See, Jesus did the right thing regardless of any appreciation. Jesus was generous and redeeming and bringing restoration to other people's lives regardless of if they said thank you. He did it right because it was right, not because of anything else. My friends, that is a defining character of God. That's the God that maybe you didn't grow up with or maybe you're not familiar with, but it's the God I want you to get to know. It's the God that says, independent of your, my children, my human race that I created, that I had a hand in creating. Regardless of that, regardless of your appreciation or anything that you're going to do for me, God, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to take care of you. To me, we need more of that one, the one that came back and said thank you in our world. But what we need even more in our world, honestly, what we desperately need more in our world today is people who love and care and serve like Jesus did in this story. I mean, imagine, if you can, this is difficult, but if all the politicians in our United States of America did the right thing regardless 
of any appreciation or votes that may be given to them in the end. It's like, would that even be politics anymore? I don't even know. I don't even know how to categorize that. What would happen if your spouse, or let's make it more specific, you in your, one of the most close relationships that you have, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's dating, maybe it's something else. If in that relationship, you did the right thing regardless of if they ever appreciate you. Regardless of if you ever got thanks. Would that create a whole new world in your relationship? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then they're getting things that they're not grateful for. And I'm like, no, I think the nine were very grateful. I think they probably went home and told all their family members and friends and relatives about Jesus and said, wow, he was so fantastic and so amazing and changed my life and he's so great. Until one of them, hopefully some wise person said, well, did you tell him that? And they were like, well, no. Well, why don't you? Well, I don't know where he is now and it's too far and it's too hard. And it's like, yeah, but he literally changed your life. Why don't you go say thank you? That's the kind of love Jesus has. That's the kind of character that God is. And that's the kind of character of God that I want you to get to know. Because that kind of character then is found in the people who follow him. There's this great um, moment in, um, uh, in one of Paul's letters. Paul was one of the followers of Jesus. He hated Christians. He tried to throw them in jail. He got Christians executed until he met Jesus one day, and that totally changed his life. Okay? And then he committed his entire life to building the church and helping people to understand the values of following Jesus and, and experience that life change through Jesus. And uh, he wrote a lot of letters that then made them their way into our New Testament, into the Bible. And one of the letters he wrote, he actually wrote a handful of these letters to a church in Corinth. Um, and one of the letters, the second letter, it's not actually the second, it's probably like the third. We lost the second. It's a long story and we don't know where it went, but somebody lost it. It wasn't me. Somebody lost it. Anyways, so, and if you're like, what does that even mean, Taylor? I have no idea. It, if you take a Bible history class, which is like so exciting, um, you, you, you could ask about it in there or ask me after at the service. Anyways, okay, back on track. Second Corinthians, um, there's this moment where Paul's like, hey, you guys, there are extremely generous people in this world. And I'm not trying to compare you, but I am kind of comparing you. Because he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he said, guess what? This is what I'm about to read. There's this church over here in Macedonia. In fact, there's a group of churches. So there'd be like, take all of us and like, you're a church and you're a group of church, you're a church, you're a church. Online, you're a church. So we got like five churches in here and you all are in this relative area of Macedonia, which is modern day Greece, okay? And so you're out there and things are not going well for you. You got disease, you got famine, you're broke poor. Like we don't even know how broke poor these people were, but they're broke poor. They are having a terrible, terrible time, okay? And there was another group of Christians in need. And this church looked at Jesus, looked at his life and his generosity and said, we follow him. And they said, even though we have nothing, we are going to give, we are going to help, we are going to serve, not because we want any blessing in response. That's not our motivation. Our motivation is to love, is to be grateful for everything that we have been given, that Jesus has given to us. And we wanna share that with other people. And so here's 
um, what he said. He said, now, brothers and sisters in Corinth, we make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches in Macedonia. God's grace is working through these people. There's no other explanation. Worldly people who are this in trouble, in such hardship, in such struggle, do not give like the church of Macedonia gave. And in, a, in, and in the midst of a great ordeal of affliction, they're having a hard time. Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty, they have deep poverty, overflowed into wealth, into generosity. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave not just to their ability, but beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily. And he said, I'm not trying to compare you to them, but I will just for a moment, he said. I'm not saying this as a command or as a comparison, but as an expression of love, as understanding what love is. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, Corinthians, yet for your sake, infused church, he became poor, that, th that you, through his poverty, that through his poorness, you might become rich. That, that Jesus, he's referencing the crucifixion, Jesus gave his life so that you could have life. He gave what he had so that others may live. It's a concept that we don't have often unless you're in the military or been in the military or in such extreme of service that you are literally putting your life on the line, in some case, legitimately, truly, completely putting your life on the line so that others may live. That's what Christ is doing here. He put everything on the table so that you may live. And the Macedonians, the church in Macedonia, he said they did that. In like today's terms, in the midst of illness, in the midst of a cancer diagnosis or a sickness diagnosis, in the midst of being laid off, in the midst of unexpected expense, in the midst of real tangible challenges that can't be overcome by modern science or anything like that, this church in Macedonia, I'm trying to speak in today's terms, gave and gave generously. And you're like, you know, when I think cancer, I don't think generosity. And Paul's like, I know. But this church did. In the midst of famine, this church gave. In the midst of losing a job, this church gave. In the midst of unexpected expense, this church gave. And his question to the church in Corinth is, would you give? Are you gonna give like this? Regardless of any appreciation, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave so that we could be rich. He died so we could live. And love does that, doesn't it? That's what love is. Love is appreciation or gratitude and generosity, regardless of any appreciation, regardless of what is given back to you. This is a defining characteristic of Christ and should be a defining characteristic of those people who say that they follow him. Not just believe in him. You can believe in someone and not follow them. I'm talking about people who are actually following Jesus, walking in his footsteps. And these are the footsteps that he lived out, both in the story with the, with the leopards, and also in his crucifixion. I mean, this is kind of a pitiful example, but it's relevant to the moment. 
You know, it's easy on a day like today, and if you're watching online, it's cold and rainy outside, and it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so, you know, some of us are feeling heavier, and so it's harder to get out of bed, not speaking for all of us, just some. And it would have been really easy to just say, you know, like, like you're the pastor, you, sometimes you can do this. Yeah, I'm just gonna call this today. We're just gonna, we're all gonna stay home and uh, not do church today. That would be a lot easier. In fact, it was a conversation in our house, okay? Gonna be honest with you. It was probably a conversation in your house too, wasn't it, this morning? You're like, yeah, is this really worth it? I don't know, you know, they're not gonna miss us. We can come next Sunday. It'll probably be better anyways, okay? Sometimes to your own loss, you give. So sometimes I stand up here and I'm not really motivated. I know it looks like I'm really motivated every Sunday to stand up here and teach. That's not always the case, but I do. Sometimes to my detriment, a lot of times to my family's detriment. Why? Because I would rather become a little poorer in health, in sleep, in whatever, so that you all could know the grace of God in your life. I, I am glad to be poorer sometimes so that others can become richer. Why? Because of what Christ has done in my life. I'm not trying to intentionally suffer or to become poorer. That's not the goal. The motive is not, well, I just have to suffer for Christ. Some people, I think, think that about Jesus. I'll get told that sometimes. Well, I gotta get rid of a bunch of stuff so I can. Well, yes, if it is holding you back, if it is taking a place in your heart, but the the motive, Jesus' point is not, hey, give everything up. Give up the things that are your idols. Give up the things that control you. Give up the things that define you. Those, yes, give them up so that you can be more filled with me. But if they're not holding you back, I mean, Nicodemus, tax collector, some of you know him, he was wee little man, wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, that guy. He was wealthy and Jesus, he gave half of his wealth away. But even when you give your half of your wealth away, he still had a lot of money. And Jesus said, good job. He's not against wealth. He's against what it does to you on the inside. Can you give up what you have, even in the midst of trials, for the benefit of others? And I get it. You say to yourself, well, Taylor, I don't want to be poor. I don't know if I agree with that. I think, I think actually, you kind of do. I think deep down in your heart of hearts, you actually want to be poor. Because you know deep down that in giving of yourself, your time and your talents and your finances, in giving of yourself, in giving freely of yourself, you receive and are inspired and stirred in a way that you can't in any other expression in your life. I mean, think about that. Moms, dads, uncles, aunts, foster parents, adopted parents, grandparents, husbands, wives. Is this right here not marriage? Is this right here not parenting? Is this right here not a healthy relationship? Is this right here not love? That I will become poorer so that my children 
can become richer. Not necessarily financially, maybe, but their life is richer and fuller. This right here is God's love. And this can be our love too. It's not about poverty in the way we think poverty. It's about love. And love says, sometimes I become poorer so that you become richer. Because, my friends, when you are generous, when you are generous, like Christ has been generous with us, others will become richer. Far more, far, far more than you will become poor. Far more than you can become poor. It's not about poverty. It's about love. Think about this. If, if you, this for Be Rich 2022, this year, you give $120, which was kind of like my challenge to you, given $120 increments towards buying mattresses for the kids in the Bethel Orphanage in Lakai, Haiti, okay? That's the orphanage we've helped out for a few years, and we're gonna buy mattresses for all the kids, okay? So if you do $120, you buy a mattress. How impoverished will you be after that $120? How much richer will those kids be with what your $120 gives them? How much richer will they be with what your $120 gives them? Is it even comparable? A few months from now, are you going to be sitting there like, I really wish I would have kept that $120. It's really stressing me out. You know. Some of you, I bet you don't even exactly remember what you gave for Be Rich 2021, let alone Be Rich 2020 in the middle of COVID. Chances are you're giving in a way that you don't actually even become poor. You may have to say no to some things. In fact, that's a start towards Jesus's kind of generosity. When you have to say no to some things, when you have to sacrifice some things so that you can be generous, that's called generosity. And if you're like, well, Taylor, you just want us to give to the church. Sure, of course I want you to give to the church because it helps make things like Be Rich 2022 possible. It helps build connections with Haiti and all that kind of stuff. But if that's your hangup, give somewhere else. I mean, if you're sitting here and say, well, I'm not gonna be generous because you just want to give to the church, then give somewhere else. But give. And give generously. Give like Christ gave. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's totally okay. Did you know you can follow Jesus and not believe he's the son of God? You can. Now, just a fair warning, as you do, you might find that you actually like Jesus and might actually decide that he is the, follow, the son of God and that could totally change your life. So there is a catch at the end of that tunnel, which I would love for you to go down. I would love for you to start following Jesus so you can figure out who he is. But I'm just telling you, you are not gonna be impoverished by being rich in good deeds and generosity. But your heart will be, and so will be the hearts of those that you give to. Last year, we gave thousands of dollars to Alex and his family to go do some amazing work in um, uh, Papua, Indonesia. Alex and his family are Iowa City natives, okay? And he sent pictures back, okay? And so we were gonna help with the school, and we're also helping with some other projects. It takes a lot of time to do some of these things in countries like this, not only because it's literally in the middle of nowhere, that's a big hurdle, um, but this was the school uh, before, and here's all the kids. In their first visit to this uh, village, um, this is the school, and these are all the kids uh, in the school. Okay, so really nice school facility. If you, um, that's not true. Okay, it's not a nice facility. Okay, next one. Um, this is the um, outside of the school, inside other pictures, okay, of all the kids, all right? Uh, and now, next picture. 
is this is um, all of your building materials, um, the teacher at that school, and all of the people carrying all your building materials, and by your, I mean your, because you paid for them, um, into the village. Uh, next picture. Yep, there they are carrying, and they're going to start working on the school, replacing ceiling tiles, replacing the wolf, roof. Um, here's all the things, in fact, that they accomplished, I think is the next slide of all the pictures. Uh, new paint, uh, windows fixed, metal roof. They put on new metal roof onto the school, broken portions of ceiling fixed. So they filled in all those gaps in the ceiling. Um, because the school was so dilapidated um, and the, uh, that teacher wasn't there because he fell ill, uh, the, all the people in the village went and got all the furniture and tables and desks out of the school and took them to their homes. So they went back out and they got all the tables and chairs and brought them into the homes. Um, your generosity went farther than expected. We bought a bunch of new curriculum, um, printed it, brought it in, uh, school supplies, chalkboard. We repaired the foundation so it wouldn't, the, the facility wouldn't tip over. Okay, and that's where it is. There's the landing strip. And then the next thing, which is really cool, is um, they actually were able to um, train and develop three new teachers. And so not only are they having a brand new school, but they have uh, new teachers. Here's um, some of the pictures of the school completed um, from last year. So uh, some really fun paint. The roofs are covered up now. Uh, there's new windows in uh, the window panes and, uh, and some of the kids there as well. Next picture. There's uh, kind of a before and then some of the after. Uh, there's your new blackboard and uh, the yellow room. And there's the teacher. I think the next picture is of all the teachers. Yes. So this, this man right here, this is so incredible. He's from South Korea, um, and he has lived there in this village for 10 years um, to learn the language and then to help educate the people there. And so he then has poured into and developed over the last year um, this new group of teachers and in reading and math and um, helping them um, to become more um, connected and educated within their community, uh, which just, I mean, just education transforms people's lives. Uh, and then um, if people are interested in it, uh, they absolutely talk about Christ in that process as well. And so you actually made this happen. You will never be there. You will never go there, I'm guessing. None of you will ever meet these kids or these teachers and be hugged by them and be appreciated by them, but you give. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Because we had an opportunity to work with people that we know from Iowa City doing incredible things around the world. Now, not all of us are called to be international missionaries. Some of you may be. That's fantastic. We'd love to help that. But some of you are called to be teachers here. And that's great too. But we can make a difference elsewhere as well through things like be rich. To really become poorer like Christ so that we can give life to others. And we don't just have to do that in November every year, though I really appreciate all of you who budget in November every year to give to be rich, but we can do that every week. We can do that every month. We can give. Generosity doesn't have to stop now, okay? So this year, just to recap, because this is the last week of Be Rich. Be Rich ends on Wednesday. It ends at the end of November, okay? So this is your last week to give or pledge we're raising $14,500, as they talked about, um, to buy mattresses for kids, um, to help out here in the school district, um, to do some little scholarship work, and then to cover, um, help cover people who are behind in their utility bills in the city of Tiffin. So we're working with the city and the city manager um, to help address people who are behind and just cannot get caught up throughout this winter in their um, city of Tiffin utility bills. 
Um, and then you can give to this or pledge to this. There's a couple ways to do that. You can go online to our app. If you want to write in your giving envelope as you came in, you can write Be Rich 2022 in the memo line or in the check line or something. Uh, or you can pledge. If you go to the website, you can pledge and give through January. Uh, and we'll write the check. So, for, for example, we actually wrote the check already for Haiti. We wrote the check before we even had the money in the bank um, because I just feel like we should trust that your generosity and that we should help get kids some mattresses sooner than later. And so we already wrote the check and it's on its way, all right, to make a difference there. And we'll celebrate some more um, as we go along. Next week, we'll celebrate the total, how much we actually raise, and then we'll give away all of that money, 100% of it, okay? But it is about generosity at the end of the day. It's about saying, um, no matter how, appre- how much appreciation comes my way, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to give. I'm going to help. Um, you can also help with your time. Some, there's some great organizations. We'd love to connect to you around the Iowa City, if you've, around the Iowa City area, if you've ever um, wanted to give in that way. Uh, we have some phenomenal events to build our community up here through in Tiffin and uh, over the next month. And those signups are backed by the Giving Tree. There's the Giving Tree. And you can take tags to buy gifts for families in need in, uh, through the Clear Creek Amanda School District. There's so many ways. And the reason we provide so many ways is because we want to create that opportunity for you to practice what we're learning. A little practice what you preach. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or would like to at least try to experience what it, follows, what it means to follow Jesus, these are great avenues, great ways in which you can start to take that step. But most of all, to remember what it means to be generous as Jesus laid it out in this moment. Regardless of appreciation, regardless of what comes back my way, I'm gonna do the right thing because it's right, because that's what love does. All right, if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you um, that, uh, Lord, I say it so many times, but that you sent your son. Um, Yes, did he die on a cross and was that for the forgiveness of our sins, which we so desperately need? Absolutely. Did he come back from the dead three days later so that we could know that death is not the end and we have hope and a future in him? Absolutely. But while he was here, he was a model. He was a signpost. He was a light to who you are that you're the kind of God who would walk along the road and help those in need, regardless of what it costs him. Even if it costs you your son's life, you would gladly give it so the world would know how much you love. Lord, help that to be our hearts as well. That all of us in this room, especially, especially those people who call themselves followers of your son, Jesus, that we would give and we would be generous, not because of the gratitude that we may or may not receive, but because we love. And because you loved us, as John said, you loved us first. And so we get to love. And sometimes that makes us feel a little poorer in our bank account, feel a little poorer with our time. It's not always about us, but in so doing, the world becomes a richer place because your light, is, your love is shining in it. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to live that out. Help us to take a step towards that. In your name I pray, amen.